0: Well, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Um, you're welcome to take some time and read chapter 7. Uh, one, one pastor did preach a, a sermon from chapter 7. It was a good sermon. I listened to it. Uh, he, he called it, Roll the Credits, because um, that's basically what's happening here. In, in chapter 7, the wall has been built. Um, they did it in 52 days by the, by the hand of God, the power of God that was at work, in them, and now uh, we get to see a list of the names of the people who uh, had built and who were gathering into the city. And it's sort of a problem that they've built the wall, they've got this city in place, but there's nobody to live in it. It's just a, a big open space, a sort of a ghost town, uh, if you will. And so there were people who were chosen by lot to come and move into the city and live, and there were others who, who volunteered uh, to inhabit the city of God, Jerusalem, uh, the place where God had chosen for his people to dwell and where he would meet with them in the temple. And then chapter 8 uh, comes around and we're, we're reintroduced or we see the, the reappearance, if you will, of a, a man that we saw a few months ago whenever we were studying the book of Ezra. And we see him bringing the book of the law of Moses. He brings the word of God. I want to talk a little bit about the Word of God as we work our way through this chapter and through the next. Um, the typical Baptist sermon has how many points? Three, right? That's, of course, uh, We don't mean to do it that way. It just always happens, right? Uh, so I'll just go ahead and give you a heads up. This sermon has nine uh, under two headings. And it'll take us two or three sermons to get through them all. I won't try to get it all in today. Um, But I want to share some things with you. I want to share with you three things that we need as we relate to God's Word. And then six things um, or six effects of God's Word on His people. And so we'll, we'll work our way through that. Um, What does the Word of God say about itself? We could talk about the Bible and we could uh, read what others have written about the Bible. And we could make the arguments for uh, the Scripture and its authority and and its work and and place in our lives. But I think really the best first place to go is to see what Scripture says about itself. What what does Scripture say about itself? Well, Hebrews 4.12, you know this, says that the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And some of you, many of you I know have had an experience of the word of God in this way, where you've come to read the Bible, maybe even in just a habitual way and in sort of an unusual manner, the Lord uh, let something leap off the page to you as you read it and it was like a sword just pierced into your heart. The Word of God doesn't just uh, tell you about God, but the Word of God tells you about you. It lets you see you for who you are. It knows not just what you say and what you do on the outside, but it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. God sees right through you, and He shows it to you in His Word. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. And even so far in just what we know of human history, it's stood a long time. This book, the Bible, has been around for thousands of years and it will stand for all of eternity. No word shall ever fail. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but the water of the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The Word of God goes out. None of you have ever seen the rain begin to fall from heaven or the snow begin to fall from heaven, and it stop part way down and say, "Nope, never mind, right back up into the clouds. that's never once happened, and it never will. Once it comes down, it comes down, it waters the earth, it does its job. And God says, "So it is with my word." Once it goes out, it cannot be taken back. It will accomplish the purpose that was sent out to do. It will bring glory to God. So, when it comes to Christian ministry, just basic application here everything we do has to be centered around, has to be based upon the Word of God. Because it's sharp, it's powerful, it's living. Because it will last forever. Because it will accomplish its purposes. If we're going to be effective as a church, everything we do has to be based upon this book. And it would have been okay if somebody said, Amen. Thank you. Now, Nehemiah, with God's help here in this, this book that we've been reading, has accomplished what God sent him to do in building the wall. The wall is built, the the city is is coming together, the the people are moving in and, and establishing their homes and their lives. Physically, Jerusalem is in a far better position than it was just two months ago. But just like we saw in the book of Ezra, we see it now again in Nehemiah, that every generation must make its own choice about its relationship to God. You might have had godly parents or godly grandparents or godly great-grandparents who loved the Lord and were faithful and who, who served Him and loved the church and, and, and did everything God wanted them to do. And they had a vibrant prayer life and they knew the Word of God. And man, they were people to be look up, looked up to. That's great. I hope you do. That's a wonderful heritage. But the faith of your great-grandparents or your grandparents or even your parents does not guarantee at all that you'll have a vibrant and living faith. That you'll have a relationship with the Lord as you ought. Why? Because it's on a personal level. God doesn't just save families. He saves individuals. And we pray that every individual in a family comes to know the Lord. But you have to search your own heart. Where do I stand in my relationship with God? And so here we are, Nehemiah's day, physically, physical needs are being met. Everything looks good on the outside. God is showing himself faithful to his people again and again by keeping his promises and meeting their needs. But there are more important matters that need to be addressed. And it's not matters of walls and cities, but it's the matters of the heart. The heart of the individual. Now here Ezra reemerges, in in Nehemiah 8, and now he's an an old man, and and look what happens there in verse, verse 1, 2, and 3. He says, Now all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And just in these three verses, sort of as an introduction to these effects of God's words on his people, I want us to, to recognize three things that we need as we relate to God's word. Three things that we need as we relate to God's word. And the first is simply this, we need a desire for his word. We need a desire for his word. You you see there in verse 1 that all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord God had commanded Israel. Now, I don't know what brought this about, but let's just be honest. Nobody really desires the word of God without a work of the spirit of God in their hearts. So God has done some kind of work in some kind of way in people's hearts that they're all gathering in the city square. They know Ezra's there. They know he's the expert in the law. He's the one who can, who can study it and obey it and teach it. And they say, bring the book of the law of Moses. Bring us the word of God. It's a desire that they have. It's a hunger that they, they need to be satisfied. May God give us a desire and a hunger for his word. Now, I hope you read your Bibles every day. I hope you find time to spend with the, with the Lord in His Word. But it is so much better when it's not just a habit, when it's not just a spiritual discipline, but you come and you love it and you crave it and you want it. When you have those days when you get up and you, you can't wait to get to your Bible, may God grant us that kind of desire. May he give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, as he says, that we may be filled. May we desire to be sanctified and cleansed with the washing of the water by the word, as Paul told the Ephesians. This is sort of as a, an aside here. They, they gathered where? In front of the water gate. It's the same comparison that's given to us in the New Testament. the Word of God washes us, it cleanses us like with water. And I pray that our desire for God's Word would be a unifying force in our church. Did you notice how it described the people who came to hear the Word of God? It said that all the people of Israel gathered together as one man. They were unified. They were of one mind. Their desire was all for the same thing. And they came, they gathered in unity as one man to hear the word of God. The word of God must be the thing that is the center of our unity in the church. Do you pray for the church's unity? If you don't, I just recommend and ask you to put that on your prayer list. I think we're in a pretty good place. I don't know of any fights that are going on, no family squabbles or anything like that in the congregation. It seems to be doing okay. But you know who doesn't like that? Our enemy, the devil. You know what he's going to come after? Our unity. And our unity has to have a foundation. It can't just be, well, you know, we haven't had a fight in a long time and we don't want to fight again. That can't be the foundation of our unity. I mean, that's fine. I don't want you to want to fight either. But you know what the foundation of your unity has to be? What has God said in His Word? We're going to agree that this book is the final say. We might not agree on everything and how we interpret it and and every application to how we carry things out in our church, but we're going to be unified in this. God has spoken to us through His Word, and we're going to stand on it together. We come here to be fed. We come and we sit on this pew because we don't want to hear the preacher's opinion. We don't want to hear about what's going on in the news. We want to hear from God. We want to hear His Word. I heard someone quote Henry Blackaby. I couldn't find the actual quote, but I liked it, so I wrote it down anyway. And it was simply this. The last thing this church needs is your unprayed over opinion. The last thing this church needs is your unprayed over opinion. What we need is not opinions, not preferences. What we need is the Word of God. What has God said in His Word? The second thing we need as we relate to God's Word is is that we need all to hear God's Word. I want to emphasize all there. We need all to hear God's Word. Verse 2 says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of of men and women... And all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. There was no discrimination here. There was no separation or, you know what, men need to be taught, but the women need to stay at home. As often happened, they all came to hear the word. And it wasn't just men and women, but it says all who had understanding. There were teenagers there. There were kids there. Anybody who was old enough to comprehend the words coming out of the mouth was there to hear the word of God. Everyone needs to hear the word of God. Men, women, all who can understand, even children. Uh, Charles Stanley, many of you know that name. He passed away, so we'll just give him a little uh, honor here with a quote. I uh, read this just the other day in a book. He, he was talking about the, the children who are in his church when he was preaching. And he said, I know that the, the pictures that they draw are more important to them than the sermon. Let's just face it, that's a reality in the moment. He says, yet into these precious innocent ears, the Word of God is making its impression. Sometimes they don't even understand it, but it's there. And one day, God will resurrect a truth when they need it the most, given by the Spirit of God. The frequently unconscious pouring of spiritual truths and principles sets the foundation of their lives. Then when the winds begin to blow in their teenage years, their lives will endure. The principles are there. The house was well built early in life. Everybody needs to hear the Word of God. You know, there's some churches that have these huge children's ministries, and I praise God for children's ministries. I, I do. I thank God for them. And, and they've got things for every age, and, and they, they've got activities that really make them want to come. And then while they're there, you know, they give them snacks, they have fun, they play games, and, and then they teach them the Bible and tell them about Jesus. And I just say, praise God for that. But you know, there's some of these churches that make such a big deal out of, out of children's ministry. There's kids that don't sit in a worship service until 10 years old. They're 10 or ten or 11, 12 years old before they've ever sat in a worship service with their parents to sing or to hear preaching. Friends, I get it. Sometimes it's hard having kids in the room. They squirm, they wiggle, they talk, they want to get up and go to the bathroom, and you miss half the sermon, you know, things like that. I get it, it happens. But they need to be here. They need the Word of God. They don't grasp it all now. They're not going to get everything. They'll get more than you think they will. But they need the Word of God rooted in their heart so that as they age and as they get older, that there's, there's something there, there's ammunition there for the Holy Spirit to use when the time comes. And all He's got to do is turn the lights on. And it makes sense. You're setting the children up for success. You're setting them up for a high probability of following Jesus. You can't guarantee anything. Whenever you have them under the Word of God and you're pouring the Word of God into them, not just here at church, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at home too. Build your life on the Word of God. We all need to hear it. The third thing we need as we consider how we relate to the Word of God, we need to give time and attention to God's Word. Time and attention. There in verse 3, nobody ever better complain about how long our services are here, because they're not all that long. Verse 3 says, Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday. And I don't think morning was 11 (laughs) a.m. First thing in the morning, they're out in the streets standing to hear the word of God. And they listen till midday. In the ears of all the people, he says, were attentive to the book of the law. You've got to give the word of God time to do its work in your heart. And I'll just be honest with you. This is a, this is a part that I struggle with sometimes. Because I, I, don't, I don't do well sitting in one place for a long time. I can, I can work on one thing in one place for a little bit, and then I kind of got to get up and move around and go do something else and come back to it. And I'm, I'm back and forth. Um, y'all would just, if there were cameras in this building, y'all would think I was crazy if you watched me during the week. Because I'm in the office for a little while, and then I'm up here for a little while, and then I'm back there for a little while. And I carry my Bible with me and my notebook everywhere I go. But, you know, I just can't do it. I have a hard time with the sitting still. But you need time with the Word of God. And I need time with the Word of God. Getting up early is a challenge. I know for some people, some of y'all make it easy. Um, It's not the easiest thing for me, but I do it. Because I need the Word of God. And the Word of God needs time to get into me. If I sit down and I say, okay, I've got my chapter to read this morning. I open it up. I read through my chapter. Just kind of fly through it. Read it just as fast as I do anything else. Close my Bible and move on my day. I might get a little bit of good out of it. Because the Word of God is powerful, it does accomplish its purposes, but you need time to marinate. You need time to sit and soak it in. Think on it, meditate, give it attention. Time and attention is meditation without distraction. Meditation without distraction. You know what that means? Don't re- Okay, it's okay. I'm glad we got Bibles on here. Don't spend your daily time with God on your phone. Because as soon as you start to read, ding. Oh, I don't want that one. I'm going to swipe it away. I'm going to get back to reading now. Ding. You can go a whole day and never get a call. Sit down and read your Bible and they'll blow you up. It's true. It happens. It happens here. Regularly. We need to give time and attention to God's word, meditation without distraction, unhurried time with the Lord. Now, those are those are three things that we need as we consider how we relate to God's word. And I think that through the the rest of chapter eight and, and as we get into chapter nine, we'll see these effects of God's word on his people. I just want to look at one. Okay, I think we'll just do one today. I've got six. The one effect of, God, of the word of God on his people is simply this, is worship. Worship. If you go down there to verse, verse 6, they, they've read and he's given the names of these people who are sitting there on the platform with him. As he read, he opened the book in the sight of all the people, verse 5, and he was standing above the people. When he opened it, all the people stood up. And verse 6 says, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God then all the people answered, Amen, Amen. While lifting up their hands, they were not Baptists. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Do you ever spend time reading the Word of God or even hearing preaching from the Word of God and there's something in you you can't help but just resound with amen it can can be a whisper it's okay amen something in you just wants to jump out of your seat you don't do it you could maybe but something just awakens in you because you've heard about the goodness of god you've heard about the grace of god that's been poured out on us in jesus worship when we're talking about this kind of response to the word of god this isn't mere fascination interest intrigue it's easy to come to the bible and really study it and step away and say wow that's really fascinating did you see the way that the sentence was structured how he said that and the analogy that he made to this old testament situation and, and you can pull all kinds of details out of this text and be fascinated and interested and intrigued by the word of God and not worship. Unfortunately, we're often not even fascinated or intrigued. The word of God, it becomes familiar. or We just become indifferent to what we read or what we hear. We just do it because we feel like we should or we just don't do it at all. We come to church and things fill our minds. And I know the the, the preacher joke is always you're thinking about what's what's for lunch afterwards, right? Or what you got to do at work tomorrow. There's always something that's coming into your mind. That's spiritual warfare. Jesus said that whenever the the seed of the word of God is cast, it's like there's, there's birds that try to gather it up from the path so it won't take root anywhere. And that's what's happening when you're in church on Sunday. It's like there's birds everywhere trying to snatch up the word of God before it takes root in your heart. You've got to fan those things away. Get out of here. Those thoughts become to kick, start to come into your mind and you try to push them out because you've got to focus. You want to hear what God has said. But when you've heard it, when you've really grasped the truth of God's Word, you know what it'll do? It'll move you to worship. It'll move you... To worship, When God opens our ears to really hear His Word, when we read and He opens up our minds to really understand what He has said, we will be moved to worship. Why is that? Because it's the Word of God that tells us who God is. It's the Word of God that tells us about the God we are to worship. It's the Word of God that tells us that He is faithful. It's the Word of God that tells us that He is light and that there's no darkness in Him at all. It's the Word of God that tells us that He's patient, that He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's the Word of God that tells us that He's the Creator of all things in the heavens and the earth. It's the Word of God who tells us that He brings princes to nothing and makes the judges of the earth useless. It's the Word of God that tells us that He's the giver of every good and perfect gift that we've ever received. It's the Word of God that tells us that He's love. It's the Word of God that tells us that He's spirit and He calls us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. It's the Word of God that tells us that He doesn't change His mind or break His promises. It's the Word of God that tells us that He's a God of justice and He will one day set all things right. It's the Word of God that tells us that He's gracious and righteous and full of compassion. It's the Word of God that tells us that He delights in showing mercy to sinners. Friends, you hear the Word of God. You learn about God and He moves you to worship God. May God give us a hunger for His Word. May He give us a thirst for righteousness. May He cause us to long after Him. And let us see his glory to see him for who he is, so that we can cast ourselves down and worship him because he's worthy. He deserves our praise, he deserves our adoration. How dare we give him 10 minutes of a quick read? God is worthy of our worship. Friends, I got a list and I could go on, but I'm done. Check your heart. Has the word of God moved you to worship lately? And if it hasn't, you need to check your relationship with God. You see, for one, you can't worship him if you don't know him. If you're lost and you're dead in your sins, you're living for yourself, you're living after the flesh and just whatever you want, you do it. That God of justice is the one you're going to stand before one day. And he will punish sin. But he's also the God of mercy and love and compassion. Who gave his own son to die for sinners. So that we could be born again. So that our sins could be forgiven and we could know him. So if you're lost, repent. Fall on your knees and ask him for mercy. He will give it. Maybe you're just a Christian and things have just gotten kind of cold, kind of stale. Friend, If you given time and attention to God's word? Would you just sit down and pray with your Bible in hand and say, God, I don't want to get up until you bless me. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know where you stand with the Lord, but you do and i hope that he'll draw you to himself. Father I've done what i can do. i can just tell people what your what your word says. Lord, i pray that you would work in our hearts. Move us to worship. In Jesus name. Amen.